Hello everyone, this is the completion of the organized crime parts of my life. It won't be the whole episode on it, um, but here are the last few bits. So, the five stages of human trafficking. Human trafficking is not black and white. It is not easy to comprehend. And there are many different approaches a trafficker will take when it comes to grooming a new victim. When a trafficker begins to prey on a new victim, there's a five-stage approach they will take to quote-unquote train the victim. The five stages of human trafficking are luring, grooming, and gaming, coercion and manipulation, exploitation, and lastly, recruitment. So what I'm reading to you is autobiographical when it comes to my own childhood. Stage one, luring. Sex traffickers approach potential victims in various ways. And even victims like me when I was five years old, including pretending to be a potential boyfriend or friend, posting, posting newspaper and internet ads for jobs and opportunities, even threatening or kidnapping them. Well, threatening, yes, that happened to me. Kidnapping, yes, that happened to me. Um, posing as um, friends, that happened to me. Posing as lovers, in quotations, happened to me. And yes, I did see them do the whole potential boyfriend or life partner, post newspaper, internet ads for jobs and opportunities. I saw that happen to the other trafficking victims, some of them. And they did threaten us and kidnap the rest of us. Kidnap the rest of us, they did. Um, often false promises are made to the victims about money. That happened to me. New clothes, work, education opportunities, and financial aid for their families. That all happened to me. But they did not go in the route of contacting my biological family. Um, what they did was... There were other traffickers who they would give financial aid to. And these other traffickers called themselves my mothers and my fathers. So they pretended to be family just to get to make money, even more money from the other traffickers. And they would make money from each other. I can't explain any of it. Because evil has no sensible explanation. But I did see them... When it came to the other victims, yes. Did they make false promises quite often to the other victims about money, new clothes, work, education, opportunities, and financial aid for their families? Yes. I saw them do these things all the time, every time I was with them. Um, Learning. 
Um, assessing the right person that happened to me and the others. Testing their vulnerabilities and boundaries that happened to me and the others. Determining whether that person's looking for what they are selling. That happened to others. I never purchased anything or tried to purchase anything that came to them. But I did see that happening to others. Testing the waters to see if that person is open to dating. I saw that happen to the others. I'm five, so... um, There's no such thing as legitimate dating when you're five. But I did see that happen to the others. Collecting as much information as possible about them that happened to me and the others. Um, Making them feel special that happened to me and to the others. Um... Social media wasn't big back then in 1998 through 1999, but I'm going to read this anyway because it's still relevant. One of the most modern ways for a trafficker to begin learning a victim is through social media. That happens nowadays. Social media allows easy access for predators to connect with naive and needy victims. That happens nowadays. Traffickers search through apps like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok looking for vulnerable children and teens. That happens nowadays. If social media was big back then, they would have created a social media page just for me and make me talk to them. They would have lured me in those ways back in the late 90s if social media hypothetically was big back in those days. Then they will begin liking posts and possibly even start sending private messages through these apps. If if social media was big as it is now, but social media now is big as it could have been back then, like the big social media now could have been the big social media back then if it was big now as it could have been then that would have all happened to me so yes I was a victim of luring <gasps> excuse me stage 2 grooming and gaming in the quote honeymoon stage or as most know it the grooming and gaming stage the traffickers would do anything to make the potential victims fall in love with fall in love with them that happened to me and I used to feel a mixture of immeasurable guilt and immeasurable shame colliding together to create immeasurable anguish wrapped up in one emotion. As a subset of mixed emotions. Then it says, often when an individual is emotionally attached to someone, they they tend to care and do things for them that they wouldn't do for anyone else. That happened to me, and all these things I'm saying happened to to the others because they did try to um, make the other victims fall in love with them, which did happen. Um, The trafficker wants the potential victim to be emotionally attached to them to manipulate the victim, and that happened to all of us, myself and the other victims. Grooming and gaming. The victim feels as though they are in love. That happened to me and to the others. 
the victim has found their dream partner who will make their dreams come true. I felt that way against my will, and the others felt that way against their will. The trafficker promised a future with a family, home, etc. that happened to me and to the others. The trafficker makes them feel special, loved, and cared for. That happened to me and to the others. They may engage in physical intimacy. That happened to me and, and to the others. And physical intimacy was actually sexual criminality. In a trafficker's mind, physical intimacy is sexual criminality. Sexual criminality is physical intimacy. And remember, not all of us were adults. Myself and the and some of the others were actually minors, meaning children. The trafficker continues collecting personal information about the victims' dreams and aspirations, family, what they love and care about the most. That happened to me and to the others. The trafficker may introduce the victim to illicit drugs under the guise of loosening up having fun, G-U-I-S-E. That happened to the others. They didn't do that to me because they quickly figured out that I am incapable of having an addictive personality. But the others who were capable of having an addictive personality, they did that to them. Um, at first, they tried to introduce illicit drugs, but then they quickly figured out that's not his forte, in quotations. That's not... Um, His weak spot, so to speak, that's what they said to me. And of course, they introduced some of the other victims to um, alcohol and um, marijuana and um, prescription drugs and, and gambling. They didn't use any of those things. Well, they tried to use those things on me, but that again, they quickly figured out he doesn't get addicted. So it's not fun to keep showing him these type of things. <sighs> Once the victim has fallen in love, the trafficker will move on to the next stage. That's what happened to myself and to the others. So, yes, we were all victims of grooming and gaming. Stage three, coercion and manipulation. The trafficker will use the information slash material gathered to take advantage of the potential victims that happened to me and to the others. The trafficker will also try to convince the victim that if they do what the trafficker wants, they will go back to the quote-unquote good times, which essentially is the honeymoon phase this is a lie and part of the manipulation aspect of stage three that happened to me and to the others. Coercion and manipulation. Traffickers start sending mixed messages that happened to me and the others. Trafficker begins withdrawing, causing confusion that happened to me and to the others. Trafficker uses information gained against the victim that happened to me and to the others. Trafficker starts reducing information and compliments that happen to me and to the others. Toys with the victim's emotions and behaves radically to cause them to question the 
quote-unquote relationship that happened to me and to the others. Remember, relationships are unreal and fake because we're talking about trafficking here. The trafficker begins asking the victim to do things sexually that they may be uncomfortable with, desensitize them to these actions. Again, the trafficker begins asking the victim to do things sexually that they may be uncomfortable with, desensitize them to do, to do these actions, to these actions. And one more time, the trafficker begins asking the victim to do things sexually that they may be uncomfortable with, desensitizing them to these actions that happen to me and to the others. Why did I keep repeating that? <sighs> that was the worst aspect of the trauma in my view, in terms of what happened to me. Um, draws on their drug addiction, if relevant, to make them have sex for drugs or money, make the victim feel indebted to the trafficker. That happened to a lot of the others. Not all of us, but a lot of the others. Um, I didn't have an addictive personality, but they did make me have sex for money. Basically, paid rape. I'm five years old. Keep that in mind. And they did make me feel indebted to the to them as traffickers and pimps. The traffickers and pimps are basically the same. It's the same thing in the trafficking world. There is no distinction, really. Has sex with the victim and does something for them. Take shopping, give money, etc. to make sex have a price. That happened to me and to the others. With these mind games, the trafficker is trying to make the victim believe they did something wrong that ruined the love and affection and that the victim owes the trafficker to get it back that happened to me and to the others. This way, the victim will do anything to get back to the love and warmth, eventually setting up the next step that happened to me and to the others. So we were all victims of coercion and manipulation. Stage four. Exploitation. In the exploitation stage, the trafficker has wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, broken down their victims' self-esteem that happened to me and to the others. The traffickers will emotionally, psychologically, and physically manipulate and force the victim into sex work that happened to me and to the others. Using the information gathered from the earlier stages, the trafficker will threaten to expose their family or friends if the victims try to leave. That happened to me and to the others. Um, I want to say that here's another new detail about how they believe all organized crime. Um, the first set of criminals that kept getting into legal jeopardy were the traffickers and the pimps because they were the most flamboyant about their dirt. They were so careless. They were easily spotted, easily detected, easily reported on. Well, it's hard to report, but it they were so blatant, so open about what they were doing. Because they were the type of criminals that were loud and cocky and just thoughtless. 
And they were so loud that they were loud to the wrong people who pretended to be friends and then ran to the police and they spilled all the beans to the police. You have some criminals who are like that. And the traffickers and the pimps, that's how um, legal punishments downfall them because they were so loudmouthy and so much into verbal diarrhea. That's what happened to them. That was another reason why I was able to leave organized crime because witnesses started connecting the docs. They're like, wait a minute. We see Antonio in, in multiple crime worlds. Because the witnesses were like, wait a minute, I remember seeing Antonio when, you know, he, you know, with drugs, illegal lottery, and, you know, the gun, being armed, and the flashy clothing, the, you know, those street fights with those men trying to fight a little child, me, and all these organized crime syndicates, you know. There were more anonymous tips regarding me and everybody else, too. But they had a way of telling the police about me, and they didn't use my name. Because the other victims, you know, the other victims really didn't talk to witnesses like I did. Like, these were people that I was already cordial with, and we were already having pleasant conversations. So they wanted to... That was their way of doing their best to get me out. Did everybody, when it came to witnesses in the um, the crime world, did they all fail me miserably and immeasurably? Yeah, they did. They all did. I recognize that. There's a lot more they could have done um, to not ever have me in nefarious predicaments, but. Um, yeah, they started making tips. They'll say, hey, we see these adults with these children um, in these areas, and those tended to be the areas that they had me do dirt in. Um, it was like the seedy nightlife spots that I told y'all about that were owned by the criminals. That's why all the Sin City parties, that's why I was able to go. Um, against my will. And the seedy Sin City spots and the seedy sex industry spots. This is all organized crime, so it's all bad and organized crime, right? Um, That's how all these things were able to happen. Um... Pretty much every Sin City spot or sex industry spot or uh, nightlife spot were all owned by criminals. I never went to a regular nightlife spot or a regular Sin City spot or a regular sex industry spot because when things are not owned by criminals, of course, you're not going to let kids in, but when things are owned by criminals, whoever owns the those clubs and organized crime, 
They let in whoever they want, and there's nothing you can say or do to change that. That's what it's like in organized crime. Now you have a more of an understanding of how was a five-year-old be able to be on these spots. Well, other bad element would be in these spots. So bad element doesn't care that I'm five, but in typical grown folks spots, oh, the child would not even be able to get in because they would all go to the police immediately. So now you understand the type of people that are in these spots of organized crime versus the regular spots outside of organized crime. Those audiences and venues are totally different depending upon who owns and doesn't. So now you know more about how they believe. And all those spots that were owned by the criminals eventually got destroyed, raided, raided by law enforcement officials because the anonymous tips, you had witnesses who admitted to me privately that they were following me. And I remember times seeing witnesses take me away from the criminals. This is towards the very end. This is before the I was scheduled to have my last, you know, my, my, the meeting that I was talking about with the Italian Mafia, they were going to schedule me. If I attended one more meeting with them, they were going to officially induct me to the Mafia, Italian Mafia, right? Not as in, a, not as in, when I say right, that means do you understand? Of course, we know this is all wrong. Um, but... I would say the trafficker, you know, because of the, um, you know, they would, f- this was all happening before that meeting that was about to take place, but didn't. I also remember them just witnesses, just random people just yanking me away from the criminal hangout spots and from the criminals. They were yanking me away from the Italian mafia the Mexican drug cartels, the street gangs of D.C., the street crews of D.C., the D.C. prison gang, D.C. motorcycle gangs. They were yanking me from all those places. I just remember that. And that, I remember it happened while I was selling drugs against my will. I remember that. It was, I would say the day before that, meeting that it 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 went on but it didn't include me they were having their typical mafia meeting but the day before i was supposed to meet with the mafia to officially induct me in against my will i remember witnesses that week were just following me around that day because they would report things that they would see me wear but they never would see me actually do like crime against my will. So from what I remember, they just yanked me while I was selling drugs and the drug lords' backs were turned. They were doing something else. They were um, collecting the money from other dealers and they just yanked me, put me in, in these group of uh, witnesses yanked me, put me in their car, drove me off, and 
it was like a large group. But there were times when I sold drugs that and just did crimes and the drug lords weren't always there. Sometimes they were and other times they were on another part of the street or on another totally different street doing their own thing. And amazingly, the drug lord never came to find me because the next day I heard that there was a mass arrest. Like, I mean, witnesses just kept reporting like there was no tomorrow and you would just see people get locked up all the time. This is the story I was told. It tended to happen in the dangerous part of town, you know, the seedy part of town, the part of town that not a lot of people would go to because it was dangerous. But from what I heard, um, all the criminals got locked up. Just police just swarming in. And so that's why none of the organized crime syndicates I was part of and none of the criminals ever came looking for me because they were too busy getting arrested. So I was in the middle of selling both heroin and crack cocaine to... um, It was a group of old people. Some of the customers were... You know what? This will be the whole episode about organized crime. Forget it. It's going to be that way because this one requires a lot of my thinking. It just has to be that way. Um, For sure. But I have to get this out. Um... For me, based on what so some of my customers were the entire human diversity. I I remember um these were an elderly couple. And it was a lot of witnesses who they basically ordered the elderly couple to stay away from me forever, which they did. What, what happened to the drugs, drugs paraphernalia? Well, they just pushed it on the ground, trashed it. It was pushed to the ground, picked up, trashed. The elderly couple, um, they got their information. Um, They quickly got it and wrote their names down, how old they were, da-da-da-da-da. And I remember they kept the note because they said we're going to go to the police. And it was other witnesses who 
it, it was like a, I wouldn't say carpool, but they were making sure that I was able to get out safely. So they put me in the car um, and had me um, in the car and had me drive off. Well, I didn't drive. They drove themselves off, but they drove off. And there were other cars, other cars behind them. And some of these people, from what I remember, they had their all their phones out. Like if it was got dangerous, they were gonna find ways to call nine one one because they were like, well, we don't want to do a standoff with the criminals. We don't want to engage in a shootout with these criminals. But we're going to risk our lives to get Antonio out of the situation. Um, so they were just like, well, we're not going to show up with weapons, but we have 911 and we have our pen and paper. So I remember them just getting information down of elderly couple and other customers that I sold to in terms of heroin and crack cocaine that day got all the information all the all the customers stayed away from me forever because the witnesses ordered them to and when they ordered them to it was understood we're not taking no for an answer and they gave off the vibe of if you don't stay away from Antonio um we're going to call the police and have you arrested. And that's basically what they said to the customers. And the customers was like very compliant with the witnesses. So they were able to get me in the car. And they just drove off. And I never committed another crime ever again. That was the day before. And that's how they got me out. There was a lot of witnesses. And... They... Why didn't they tell my parents? It's a good question. They didn't know what to do with that. Because... Guys, most people... Are not don't know what to do fully when a child is being caught up in crime. They felt conflicted. Like I, I want Antonio to be in a healthy situation, you know, with his family, but it's so obviously he's not because he's he's out here because of these monsters. They didn't know what to do if they were used to it. I would have been in Child Protective Services, but they didn't know what to do. They were just like, well, we can't make assumptions about Antonio or Antonio's home life. So we'll just get him out of this and hope that things get better. A lot of witnesses, when they try to do the right thing, um, they don't completely do all the right things, you know, because of what they're ignorant of now. 
they failed me because they should have done more. Of course, they should have known what to do and everything. But they weren't used to it. But even if you're not used to something, you still should do all the right things. I agree. But, yeah, they drove me home. And I was never walking the streets alone ever again. Um, in terms of the days of being Tonio. Now, how are criminals able to walk with me? Well, I did walk the streets alone, but not to do any crime, not to eventually do crime. And these are all against my will, by the way. The criminals will just would walk with me, but they wouldn't pose like um, like a threat. So because I was walking with adults, the witnesses didn't think anything, but they didn't know I'm walking with a criminal. But these are the, the criminals who are getting me out of organized crime. So they walk with me for quite some time, like a few weeks, I think. I think I put that in my book, a few weeks. And then that's when they disappeared because in organized crime, there was an edict, E-D-I-C-T, that you, meaning them, everybody who was committing crimes ordered to stay away from you because if they didn't, there's going to be a contract out on their life. And there is an edict in organized crime. Anybody openly snitching on Antonio, me, and ratting me out, there's going to be another contract out in your life. So there are like two contracts, one for the snitching and the ratting, and the other for either being around him. So those criminals, they stop walk. They would, I would start to walk. They would meet me around the corner from my mother's apartment. But one day they just disappeared. And I think they got killed because I heard through the grapevine of, I think it was a, I think it was a woman who, she was one of the street women who didn't do dirt, but she knew what was happening in the streets. And um, I think that she was on to tell me, yeah, I think um, the ones who used to walk with you, yeah, um, they got taken out of here. and Some people got paid for it. Um, and, you know, some of the criminals are about to, you know, rat you out and snitch on you, so, you know, they got taken out, too. And that was the last thing I ever heard about that world. And the day after that, I was no longer around the street women. Some of the street women were of the streets and in the streets and some of the streets women were in the streets but not of the streets. In other words, some did dirt and some didn't, but anybody connected from that world 
they all just stopped being around me because um, my women friends um, had them stay away from me. They told me, yeah, we saw them talk to you. And, you know, after you left, we pulled them to the side and told them to stay away from you because they they're just they just had this aura about themselves I didn't like. So, yeah, this is all inappropriate. Yeah, even the women friends and Yeah, I know it's you're like women friends. What type of friends don't report to the law enforcement? I get it. I get it. What type of friends don't call child protective services and don't try to court trial all this and you know incarcerations I get it everybody failed me miserably and immeasurably that is true I get you and fake friends and yeah, I agree they weren't real friends because they didn't do everything real friends do but um no, my women friends just had them stay away from me and so that's what happened and when I was in the trafficking world I must admit that um, I was a victim of prostitution rings within brothels um, the most, homes the second most, bars and clubs the third most, and streets and areas in run-down environments, socially speaking, the least amount. Um, Especially within um, the escort services rings and... um, The massage parlor rings, too. That's what happened to me in the trafficking world. Now, let's get this. It says, um, exploitation. Trafficker has broken down the victim's self-esteem. That happened to myself and to the others. Threatens the victim and their loved ones based on information collected previously that happened to me and to the others. It makes the victim feel indebted to the trafficker slash suggests that they owe suggests that they owe them financially. That happened to me and to the others. This leads the victim to believe they need help financially. That happens to me. That happened to me and to the others. The victim is at the point where they feel obligated to contribute in some way. That happened to me and to the others. Emotional, mental, and physical abuse, intimidation, and control. That happened to me and to the others. Confinement and isolation from family, friends, etc. Happened to me and to the others.
confinement, isolation from family, friends, etc. that did happen to me and to the others. The trafficker at this point will convince the victim that they need to do sex work to support them financially. That happened to me and to the others. While isolating the victim from family and friends to ensure that there's no one to help them. That happened to me and to the others. Stage 5, Recruitment. Um... Stage 5 of human trafficking is considered the recruitment stage. At this point, the trafficker has usually fully manipulated the victim into working for them. That happened to me and to the others. They will use the victim to contact um, younger women, younger men, younger people, even if they're non-binary. Sometimes even friends and family introduce them to the trafficker. Um, I saw that happen to the others. This makes the initial victim feel indispensable to the trafficker and feel as though they are less of a worker, more of a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner, even non-binary once again. I saw that, hap- that hap- all this happened to all of us. This happened to all of us. Um, when I said loved ones earlier, basically, a couple of people that I was cool with threatening them and and then forced them to be trafficking victims too. These were like women I was a couple of women I was friends with and um they got out with me because I remember it was her and myself because they because in, in the trafficking world they forced I mean trying to remember um it was myself and that cup and those other women friends in the car getting us out of organized crime because they like myself were also forced to sell drugs they were forced to do it um while the drug lord's back was turned so they were with me so they were in the car with me and they were never in the world of organized crime again as far as i know so that, I remember those two. Um, so all these things happened to me. Recruitment in charge of teaching others. Like men teaching men, women teaching women. Men teaching women, women teaching men. Non-binary teaching non-binary. All this happened in organized crime. All these things happened to us all. Recruiters feel powerful and important. I... We we all endured that. Befriend vulnerable persons and show them how great the life is. That happened to us all. They have fewer clients, so they feel as though they are regaining power control over themselves. That happened to us all. Um, and... From what I remember, um, psychotherapist Mary D. Chesney identifies five stages in the process of sex trafficking, vulnerability, recruitment, transportation, exploitation, liberation. The final stage that Chesney writes is rarely completed.
Murder and accidental death rates are high as our suicides, very traffic victims are rescued or escaped. And all those things happen to us all. Um, so, I remember as I wrap up this episode, um, from what I also really remember um, about all this is that um, is that The organized crime figures used to call me Sin City because of the parties I was forced to go to. They they used to call me Wealth because of my flashy attire and my cash stacks that I was forced to have. Um... They used to call me Jesse Owens or Carl Lewis because I could outrun people, especially when they were trying to street fight me. Um, I remember they used to they used to call me um, they used to call me. Andre the Giant Hands because I had strong hands for a kid. Um, They used to call me Shackalicious named after Shaquille O'Neal because I was a extremely physically strong um, child. So they named me after Shaquille O'Neal. They called me Shackalicious. Um, And I was a physically imposing child to them. I was three feet five inches tall, so um, the last nickname they gave me was The last nickname they gave me was Tony Stein. Again, the last nickname they gave me was Tony Stein. And that completes 
all of my organized crime and my childhood stories. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, I had to do that because my mission of telling all the organized crime stories by myself has been finalized. So, in closing, I say, make sure that you don't birth kids into curses. say that some of the people who violated me were men within the human trafficking world. I am a person of philandry. I have love, admiration, and fondness towards men, which is one of the reasons why I'm pansexual. Even though some of the pe- most of the people that violated me were women in the human trafficking world, I have phylogeny. I still have the love, fondness, fondness and admiration towards women, which is another reason why I'm pansexual. So, sex crimes don't own my sex and sexuality. I own my sex and my sexuality.